This podcast is shareable. Shareable is the podcast fueled entirely by curiosity. Every episode features exciting guests who share valuable advice and insights, how-to guides, and practical takeaways. Join me as I explore the awe-inspiring stories about overcoming the odds, the secret formulas that gave each guest their unique superpower, and the moments that remind us of our shared humanity. Get ready to be excited, delighted, and possibly even astonished, because this podcast is shareable. Today on Shareable, I am excited to share this conversation with my guest, Kendra Reddy. For my listeners who are not familiar with you, what are a few of the most important things for someone to know about you, Kendra? Oh, a few important things to know about me. Um, I am a West Coaster, so I live on the ocean right at the mountains. I live in Vancouver, Canada. Proud. Love it out here. Um, I am a storyteller and a word nerd <laughs> uh and for work um i am an executive coach speaker and writer your so bio like- is wild uh which i have in the show notes for anybody uh looking at like it is so full of just you do so much and you have all of these accolades and it's just freaking awesome um by the way vancouver uh beautiful i was up in kamloops several years ago um, which is really cool. And you are also close to, uh, up in Vancouver. Was it Whistler that's up there? Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. Right. We're going to have to make yeah. a date to go snowboarding then. It's a hundred percent. Yeah. I grew up, I'm originally from Toronto. So I've spent like my whole life there and oh. then didn't move out here until I was in my forties. So it's like a whole new world. Cause yeah, mountains and Whistler and thing. all that. Yeah. yeah, totally. Are you a hockey fan? I have to know. Uh, I am, but it's not as big out here as it is yeah. back east. Yeah. 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 So I'm actually a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. Oh, wow. Comes as a surprise to people that know that I grew up in New York and live in Philly, but like I, uh, <laughs> I've been playing. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Uh, I've been playing hockey video games since I was a kid. And in like the nineties, uh, there was a, a goalie for the, uh, Maple Leafs named Felix Potvin, uh, and he yeah, was yeah, Felix yeah. the cat. And for some yeah. reason, I just thought that was the coolest thing as like a 13 year old. And, uh, and that was the team I played with my hockey video games. And then I just kept using them as I played every, basically I played every hockey game from then until now. Um, so I've just always used the Maple Leafs and I am in fact a Maple Leafs fan. Uh, you got a real real thing for the underdog then (laughs) is literally my whole life plan of watching sports is rooting for the silver medalists. Uh, and I can't even say that anymore about the Maple Leafs after all this time. Anyway, uh, back on track. Big question. Got to ask you this. Ask every guest. Uh, It's something that is deeply personal to me to know this information about someone. But what is the dent you wish to make in the universe? Why are you here? What do you want to do? Oh, I'm not. I don't mean here on shareable. I mean in the world. Like, what you about? No, I know. Like, way to start small. No, I don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) What am I here to do? You know, I, I, I love that I'm being asked this question on a you know, public forum. Um, The truth is, I know, and I'm figuring it out. I'm figuring out the next evolution of it. And like, that's kind of been my whole life. And and if I really am going to pull up to that, 
sort of metaphorical, what, why are we on this planet thing? I do think that that's the reason is to figure out I've always, I've always been obsessed with finding the edges of my potential. Like what yes. exact, where exactly is that limit? Which is why you said, you mentioned my bio and I do all this stuff and I have all these accolades. It's just because I love to create stuff and try stuff and break the fourth wall and see what's under that thing over there. And um, so I think the dent that I want to leave in the universe is to, to empower other people to do the same. Um, to really feel like they're capable of more than they probably believe that they can. Yeah. That's yeah. probably why you and I connected so quickly. Cause that's like that, that very much overlaps with my thing. I'm all about yeah. the idea of um, people recognizing how much more potential they have than they think they do. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. unpacking and deconstructing any of the narratives that they may have been led to believe about themselves that just aren't true, the limiting beliefs mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, I love it when somebody breaks out of their previous shell, like that, you know, yeah. like, like, yeah. how, uh, you know, crustaceans yeah. like molt and they get a new shell, right? It's totally. like, I love that idea totally. of seeing totally. people break through that. So I'm sure that's one of the yeah. reasons why we, um, we, we kind yeah. of quickly connected. Totally. Um, I know one of the things that you're really, really big into is happiness like this mm -hmm. concept of happiness, which, mm -hmm. you know, on its surface, you know, mm -hmm. so like I wrote um, my book, The Lovable Leader, like that's a word that's very charged for people love, like, mm -hmm. oh, this is supposed to be at work. This is happiness has a similar sort of thing going on where it's like, oh, sure. Happiness, like happy, like it nice, happy. But yeah. there's something so deep and interesting there that I, I think that's actually a place I want to spend some time with you. Um, yeah. So before I dig too deeply into it, um, I want to ask you just a very high level basic question about it, but like, what makes you happy in this world? Like what's a thing, what are some things that make you happy? It's a great question. Thank you. Uh, and so it's going to, that's going to sound cliche. And I want to talk about this too, because it's part yeah. of the stigma around happy. Uh, what makes me happy are the very, very simple things. Um, I like, to be in nature. That's why I moved to Vancouver. I really, it's very hard for me to lose my perspective on my place in the universe when I stare at the Rocky mountains and I yeah. watch tides roll in and roll out. Um, so being in nature, uh, makes me happy. Um, being any opportunity where there is a chance to create and play in intimacy which is also a very charged word I find. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that makes me happy. I love to just create what, what are we working with here? What do we got? What can we create from this um, and make out of it? Makes me happy. Spending time with my nephew <laughs> makes me happy. I get to be his age. He's about to turn nine in like two weeks. And so I get to be that age again and see the world through his eyes again. Makes me happy. A hot cup of coffee in the morning makes yes. me happy. <laughs> Long hot showers make me happy. Paddleboard makes me happy. It's just, it's all, it's all those day to day in the, how we live our lives that I think cumulatively becomes our happiness. I love all of those. And aside from playing with your nephew, who I don't know, I would say all mm -hmm. of those are things that in general make me quite happy. And, and as you were saying yeah. it, I was thinking about some of the things that make me happy. And I was wondering if it's the thing itself or if it's moments within that thing that make me happy. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. one of my favorite things is snowboarding. And I just 
when I think of it, I think a lot of moments on the mountain mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm boarding, but also one of the most uh, like salient things that like I come back to is the feeling of sitting on the lift and just looking out at the mountains, like the stillness of it all. Like those moments are so profoundly happy to me. Um, and when you said the thing about a hot shower, uh, before we, I want to dig deep into happiness. I want to inter- I want to know about your interest in it. I want to know about your background. I want to know about yeah. the good, the bad, the ugly, and different. I want it all. But I, I do have to bring this up because I discovered this recently. So a good hot shower is a truly enjoyable thing. And I've also found. If you go an extra day without showering, that shower is actually a little bit better. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, but here's one that I discovered recently because I saw it on TikTok. This is for you two listeners. Um, I recently discovered the profound joy of taking a hot shower in a completely dark bathroom with my like chilled out kind of like um, lo-fi music on. It is the most relaxing, like sensory, delightful experience ever just total darkness because it like heightens the actual sense of the hot water hitting your head and the whole thing i'm doing it i haven't tried that i'm doing it tonight do it (laughs) do it 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 is so incredibly awesome oh yeah put on some schumann resonance just get yeah Yeah. loofah yourself right up come out fresh rebirth little little tea tree peppermint lavender uh shampoo (laughs) for the scalp just let it let it vibrate do its thing yeah yeah yeah. all right so happiness um What what's kind of your initial interest in this? Like, what's your background in it? At what point did you discover in your life that this was a subject worth exploring? And actually, like, because because I want to be clear to listeners, like, your interest in happiness is not just like everyone's interest in happiness. Like, sometimes <laughs> yeah. I'm happy, sometimes I'm not. But like, you're you have an interest of like unpacking and discovering what makes for the process, like what is underneath all of it. So I want to unearth that with you for the benefit of people listening so they can maybe better understand some of the traps that they may fall into, some of the ways that they might learn better. But like, where did your interest of this originate? What's your backstory? In in many ways, I've made a career out of this. Uh, But I would say, honestly, I don't remember a time when I wasn't obsessed with with happiness. Mm. it's it's and it's the biggest thing that I'm working on now. So it's it's a little meta for me because I'm I'm actually in the midst just in, even just before we got on to record, I was writing. I'm um writing a script uh for a keynote on the quest for happiness, and I'm using my personal story as the background for it. And that is the reason that I've been obsessed with happiness because I grew up without any, well, without much of it at all. My mm-hmm. background is, um, I come from my gosh, I won the trauma lottery. Like if there's a trauma you can have, yeah, I got, I got it. Like physical abuse, emotional abuse, neglect, poverty, racism, addiction, homelessness, foster care. Like I've, I have that, all that complex trauma. And I, you know, as a kid, when life is it's pretty linear and black and white and you internalize all these messages and all this stuff. And I used to escape into books. And so I lived in this profoundly unhappy world where everyone around me, I felt like Cinderella, like poor, ordinary, everyone hates me. Can't really figure out why, but in these books that I would read when I would read anything, I'd get my hands on. I was exposed to this, whole new dimension, all new paradigms, these fantastical worlds where, you know, everything ends happily ever after. And I, 
you know, would, would, you know, watch characters and how they, you know, made all these difficult decisions between right and wrong and more like fairy tales raised me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's where I became, I really believed and bought into that um, idea that biography is not destiny and happiness is possible in the future. So it gave me a hope, that hope. And, you know, we now can see that it, from through research and science that hopefulness is a key ingredient in resilience, especially in children and our self-efficacy. So our belief, first of all, if we believe that our future can be better than our past, and we believe that we have a role to play in making that happen, our self-efficacies, our well-being, like everything shoots up, everything good mm-hmm. <laughs> spikes and, and, and rises. And so I just became, I guess, fascinated by the gap between where I was and this whole world that I lived in and all these half worlds that I lived in uh, and this happily ever after fairy tale world of possibilities. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I feel like I've just, I've spent my whole life trying to become happy, (laughs) to understand what is happy, what makes me happy, how do other people become happy? Does, is happiness, you know, what is it? What is it? Where does it come from? How can you manufacture it? How can you set up as many variables as possible? Like anything around that um, has just been fascinating for me. And I also noticed in the world very early on, the connection between leadership and happiness where people seek this, this idea, this, how they tie their identity to their happiness and how much of people's identity gets tied to a a job title. And that's so temporary. And so I, yeah, just, I, I, I digress. No, not digress. A lot of threads for me to pull on. So Mm -hmm. one thing that you immediately made me think of is, um, I don't know if it's a true story or not, but I remember hearing the story that in like elementary school or whatever, John Lennon was asked by the teacher, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, happy. Mm-hmm. And she said, you didn't understand the assignment. And he said, you don't understand life. I don't know if that's a true story or not, but I like to believe that it is. Yeah. And, uh, and I really appreciate the, um, the interest you take in it and where it comes from. And you mentioned earlier that you're a word nerd mm-hmm. and you brought up something towards the end just there where you talked about some of the angles you're talking about with happiness, Mm -hmm. looking at it from all these different angles. And I think Mm -hmm. in order for us to explore this a little more deeply, I think we have to actually start at the very beginning of happiness, which is, is it just a feeling, a temporary Mm -hmm. fleeting feeling? Is it Mm -hmm. a state of being? Is it a Mm -hmm. choice or is it a set of circumstances? Like when any word out there for the most part, especially something that we use in such common usage almost gets taken for granted what it is. Mm -hmm. And I think um, we all have a general sense of what it is to feel happy. We all have a general Mm -hmm. sense of what it is to encounter happy people, you know, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if we've ever, I don't know if I've ever had the opportunity to really break it down. So Mm -hmm. what is this study of happiness that you're into? What is it? Is it, is it just what I brought you know, just said, you know, is it more? it's, you said it's everything that you just said. It, mm-hmm. I, I believe that happiness is so much more complex and nuanced than we give it credit for. And language is overrated. So 
And, and it's just, it's just a condition of human beings, right? We love, to, it's how we understand how we come to make meaning of things as we, we, we sort of, we put some sort of language about it around it. And so you're right. I'd say in the sense that universally, I think it's safe to say that every single person on the planet wants to be happy. So in that we're united, but how we define happiness, how we experience happiness, our relationship with happiness, where all of those constructs are different. And that's what makes our happiness our own. And sometimes what I think gets in the way of us being as happy as we could is we become obsessed with figuring out happy instead of just shutting up and being happy. Mm -hmm. Is it? Yeah. Is it? um, Because in in, in the uh, conversation around the pursuit of happiness, right, the quest Mm -hmm. for happiness, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there is this sort of underlying unspoken sometimes idea that we should just always be happy, right? Like that, Mm -hmm. like happiness Mm -hmm. is the the goal is to always be happy, let's say. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think back to that movie Inside Out and how important Mm -hmm. sadness is as a component of that. And when I think back to some of my own stories, I remember there was a period of my life where because I had something very traumatic and difficult happen, I kind of shut off a lot of the the access to negative emotions. Like I wouldn't allow myself to really feel all that sad or to feel that traumatized or to feel that hurt or whatever it was. And as a consequence, I also found that it muted and dulled my ability to feel extreme happiness. So I'm wondering how much of your work in happiness touches upon happiness in the context of a balanced emotional life experience versus like, I I guess, what is the threshold for a healthy amount of happiness in someone's life? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would actually challenge you and I dare you to go see how happy you can stand it. Like, Go make that that happen. That is such a quotable. What a great chest. Yeah. challenge, well, right? Put that in your keynote. Uh, if you haven't already, uh, I challenge you. you to be happy until you can't bear it anymore. That is yeah. such a, how uh, happy can you stand so, it? So say more about that. Like what, what would that even look like? How would one go about doing that? Like break that down. Like how, yeah. how does this work in your, yeah, opinion, your yeah. it's a great question. I think it start. it actually starts exactly where you're pointed, which is on the sat- shadow side and the, the darkness. I don't have very many clients that come to me to want to work with me one-on-one because they're wildly happy. <laughs> like, you know, they, yeah. they just can't stand it anymore. So yeah. I can't bear um, it anymore. I want to push past that limit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, probably not. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I agree. And I, and I think, again, this is one of the myths that gets perpetuated when we try too hard to put this language, this universal language, and we hear things like pursue happiness and seek happiness. And how do you get it? And how do you already, as, you, as I hear you say those words, I get like a little agita because it starts to feel like a race yeah, or a competition or yeah. a goal or a destination or something. And now all of a sudden I'm like, where's the next cue? And who do I have to elbow out of my way to get my share? And it, like, we diminish happiness when we look at it that way. And especially when we think of it as something that is external to us, mm-hmm. because I do believe that it is a state of being. And I think that that's like the work of happiness is recovering to that and to exploring and to taking those labels off and to negotiating that meeting, not necessarily with the outside world, but with the inside world. What makes me happy now? Where does this start? Um, and working through this, this whole idea of like, yeah, we have to be happy all the time. Like, that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. This is not healthy. We don't get to pick and choose what emotions we feel as human beings. 
we just get to choose how we want to interact with them when they show up. So I hear people say that a lot around you probably do too. With it, as soon as you say lovable vulnerability, yep. right? You don't, you don't get to choose whether or not you want to feel vulnerable, yeah. right? You just, you get to work with it when it shows up or you shut it down. And so to be happy all the time, I think about, Ooh, well, I, how much energy and time are you putting towards suppressing or repressing or ignoring or having to work hard to happiness is work, but you shouldn't have to work hard to be happy all the time kind of thing. Yeah. It's like the more you are able to, the more we can expand our capacity for being uncomfortable and for experiencing sadness and also understanding it too would just moves through. No one ever started crying and never stopped. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, when we learn to do that, we actually make more room for happiness and then happiness becomes richer because like you referred to that movie inside out, which I love, especially the character of sadness. And then at the end, I'm sorry to spoil it for any listeners who haven't seen it yet, <laughs> but like, that's the most, one of the most lovable characters. Yeah. So yeah. yeah it, that's so when you said vulnerability, it reminded me, I just had a, a conversation on pot on shareable here with uh, I guess Sarah Serrani. And we talked about vulnerability specifically that there is being vulnerable and then there's mm -hmm. the performance of vulnerability. And I think there's mm -hmm. something actually really similar here mm -hmm. with there's being happy and then there's performing happy. And I think there's also even something like the illusion of happiness, right? Like mm -hmm. the, the things that we're not genuinely happy, but we're mistaking yeah. Um, you know, it's sort of like there's all these animals in the wild that mimic other animals, right? So mm -hmm, they can mm -hmm. like remain safe. Yeah. I feel like in some yeah. cases as humans, we we have these moments where we put on the show of happiness for ourselves and for others, or we yeah. take some sort of what feels like joy, maybe it's a brief dopamine hit that mm -hmm. we interpret as happy. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it it almost cheapens mm -hmm. the the truth state of feeling happy about yeah. something when we attribute it to something that is so tokenized. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We become like trained to look outside of ourselves to see who we are, what success looks like, what's happy going to be like. And then, and then ironically, we move further and further away from happy because it's not grounded at anything. Yeah. It's not our happiness. It's happiness as a movement. It's not our authentic to us. And it's interesting because I'm sure if we went out and asked the next 10 people we both saw, do you want to be happy immediately? They'd say yes. But if we ask them, well, what makes you happy or on a scale of one to 10, how happy are you? And then we ask them to close the gap. What would, what would make you a 10? Most people, it's not right on the tip of their tongue either because they're just programmed. I think we're also just programmed to want this thing to go after this thing without yeah. really knowing what it is or because it's hard to articulate. It's yeah. a feeling. It's an essence. It's a, it's a, I know, I know it when I feel it kind of thing. Yeah. And even as you're saying it, I felt a bit like, oh, I can answer. No, I, I actually don't know if I could because it's so uh, situational. And, and mm -hmm. especially as someone who has ADHD, like I exist in like now and not now. So like I'm, my experience of happy or not happy is very like moment to moment. Yeah. Ha yes. and, and I think I'm generally a fairly happy person, but yeah. there are, you know, it could shift on a dime and then I'm just in a moment where I'm feeling not yeah. happy. But there's something yeah. you said earlier about sort of this idea of like the race to happiness almost, right? Mm -hmm. This, mm -hmm. that like when we set it as the objective, it almost then makes it um, like a chore to get to it. <laughs> 
while at, this, but at the same time, what I'm thinking is people are coming to you and, and here we are having this conversation. I want to explore it. I want to unpack it. I want to share it mm -hmm, with our mm -hmm, audience mm -hmm. to learn about it. Right. So yeah. to a certain extent, like happiness in this conversation, at least is the goal we're trying to get to, it. we're trying to understand it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, it's like the more you chase it, maybe the more elusive it becomes. So I guess to, to spin that into a question for you is like, kind of what is it that you think people get wrong about yeah. happy? Yeah, like yeah, where yeah. do people slip up in the pursuit of it? Where is that line between chasing it, maybe for the yeah. sake of chasing it versus experiencing? Like where, where is where are people making the wrong turn to get where they're ultimately trying to go? Yes. Oh gosh. Oh gosh. Okay. So I think there's a couple of ways. The first thing that comes to my mind is that <clears throat> we try and follow some set of directions which usually is something along the lines of focus, work hard, get a good job, do these things. Right. And yeah. then you'll get, then you get to be happy. And, you know, go, I just want to take us back to fairy tales for a second. Cause in that, when we see, when we see depictions of happiness in pop culture, we see characters struggling to decide between right and wrong. And I think one of the things that happens is that starts to minimize us, our happiness, because we start to look at, well, I better make the right choices or the wrong choices. But if you make the wrong choice, right? Because what happens to the person in the fairy tale who makes the wrong choice? They don't not live happily ever after. Mm -hmm. So we diminish it. And I think when we get caught up, especially then you take this to work and we're caught up in this hustle of culture of hustle and you throw ha pursue happiness, it just becomes another KPI, right? And then we start framing it through right and wrong choices. What's the right move for my career? Is this going to make me happy? And um, I think when we reduce happiness to right or wrong, we create an ethical crisis because that's just two, two isn't choice. It's crisis. Mm -hmm. And so what if there are no right and wrong? What if we were to blow the doors off happiness and think of it as something bigger as, um, a lifelong pursuit. And so it's not a destination, but yeah, are all of us trying to get to the next moment when we feel happy? Absolutely. Um, I think if we try to make it a goal too much, then we go right or wrong. Is this going to lead me to the goal or closer to goal? But if we're just open to happiness and make ourselves available to it and ground ourselves in our own sense of it, then we're able to recognize it more easily when it shows up. And then we don't have to look as hard. It's actually right in front of you. It's, it can become, and I know this might sound cliche, but it can almost become effortless. When you said the part about right and wrong, especially as you put it in the context of fairy tales, it brings up the question of who determines the right and wrong. Exactly. What are the narratives that we're exposed to that we're mapping ourselves onto? And when I thought about that, I immediately went to thinking about how the things, at least professionally in my life, that have made me happy were entirely about the times where I decided to create my own narrative about what I wanted yes. and pursue those things. And so many of those things were utter and abject failures that mm -hmm. Over the course of doing that, I still was happy to have made that choice. And even though it may have led to some unhappiness during mm -hmm. the points of failure, the learning, the growth, those different things, I think are part of what I look back on and I'm fond of. And I'm happy about having made those decisions. 
Yeah. Um, so that that's like just a thing that occurred to me as you were saying it. But I, I also was thinking when you talked about it as the goal, um, I began to think of it almost as like a journey, a place from like a start to a finish. And it's almost like if you were to say, are you adequately hydrated right now? Right. Like mm. the, the question isn't, um, are you going to stop and drink seven gallons of water today? And then, you know, be like a cactus or a camel for the next two weeks. But it's more like, are you kind of drinking water mm-hmm. as part of your daily thing? It's like being healthy. Like, are you exercising regularly? Are you eating? Yeah, it's a practice. It's not a thing that you do all at once. It's not, it's not an event. Or, right? It's not an event, right? It is a yeah. it is yeah. a part and parcel of the experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. Beyond yeah. going. Yes. Yeah. So there are things that we know specifically when I do these things, I feel happy. When I eat ice cream, I feel happy. When I, I feel happy. But then there's also what you're saying here is this curation of our story. It's like everything in life can't be happy all the time. So I think, first of all, let's just drop that expectation and watch your happiness levels spike. Yeah. Right. As soon as you're not expecting it to be happy all the time. Um, but then, so we can go about our days and do those things when we get the opportunity and create the opportunities to do more of those things. But also when the not so happy moments show up and, and you know, all the other stuff, random stuff that happens in life, um, being at choice around, well, you can focus on the pain and the suffering, or you can focus on the growth and the learning and like, yep, this sucks. And it's part of it. Something great's got to be on the other side. Yeah. Right. And, and I don't mean that like, again, in some kind of sort of pious way that it takes yeah. work to actually not just say that to yourself, but really believe it and live into it. It requires courage. Yeah. This isn't like toxic positivity. This yeah. is, you know, um, it, it again, and to the point that you said earlier about like, it's not like you start crying and you cry forever when you contextualize happiness, not as an event, you can also then contextualize sadness or uh, yes. trauma or depression or any of these yes. other things. And, and obviously, again, we're not contextualizing that in the, in the standpoint of like some people have different situations It's yep. you know, and it's going to be more difficult or it's going to be, yeah. uh, you know, there are greater struggles for people. So that's not the point, but the point being that, um, when you look at these things as part of life, then there's always going to be an after that. And sometimes yeah. you're going to have an easier time coming out of it. And sometimes you're, you have more struggles ahead of you, but yeah. it's looking at things on that longer timeline that I think uh, is really helpful. The mm-hmm. Where I wanted to ask you to take this next is about sort of these, um, the, because you have a way of looking at this that I think is obviously you said you've devoted your life to this. You think a lot about this. You work with clients mm-hmm. on this. So you've seen some of the places where this goes awry, some of the mm-hmm. things that people are doing that take them off the path of actually just being happy. Maybe they mm-hmm. chase it too much. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things you've learned on the opposite side of that? The things that you've learned about people who genuinely, generally and genuinely seem to be more happy on a regular basis, who can more deeply experience happiness that have, for lack of a better term, figured out this happiness thing to a greater extent than others. Like, What are those things that have transformed those people that other people can learn from. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, common threads. The first thing, and I think the most important thing for me and for clients that I work with, it's, this is where we start is I call it sometimes like let's return to factory settings. So we need to like sit for a moment and come home 
to yourself. And this is the hardest part, right? This is so you're probably going to feel some things that you maybe didn't even know, but they were still in there waiting to be felt. Uh, and so there's this sort of willingness to put it all down and come up because a, a lot of all of us, right? We're caught in, there's a reason the, the term, the rat race is a term or caught up in the hustle or in the mix or busy. And, and, uh, when we get caught up in that chase, that pursuit of happiness, it's literally like, you can't see the forest for the trees. <laughs> and so I'd say the people that I see be the happiest over the longest period of time and be able to increase the speed at which they recover to that happiness is the more that they develop their relationship with themselves. The more I believe that leadership is all about relationship. And oftentimes the hardest person to be in relationship with is ourselves. And so here's that cliche. What is it? Um, you can't love anyone else until you can love yourself or something yeah. like that. Or you can't be happy. Just, make someone else happy until you're happy. So I think this yeah. is that in action. You yes. we have to be able to sit with ourselves. And I think about like in your book, the first thing you talk about is be worth following. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so the, it's, it's that sort of same thing to, to really understand yourself on a deeper level and what the deeper level is on a deeper level than you did today. See who's there. We are, I think sometimes we forget that we're living, breathing, pulsing, streaming <laughs> organisms that age and die off and regenerate. And so you really cellularly become a new person every seven years. So like every day, just check in a minute. What's here today? What is it today? What's happy? And to stay present like that, the people that have a practice around that, getting present to themselves and to the world around them, even though they may not like what's there, have more capacity for happiness, more access to happiness, and it becomes more effortless for them. That's like the number one thing. And then after that, I'd say every single person I know that is happy or and in yeah, and sustainably has their own evolving little set of life hack happiness rituals that they practice throughout the day. Little, all the kitschy things. It's a song on my playlist. It's a saying on my sticky tab. It's a this, it's a that, it's a phone call to my friend. It's all that we like hitting physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. You got to dose up. It's, this is the work. It's a tra We train into happiness every single day. It's easy to it. sit around and be a whining mass of flash. We can all do that. Being happy takes work. And so that's the work as opposed to working to think about what's the next choice and what's the right choice. And where is this? Now am I there? Like even like notice how energetically, even one of them is like harder and narrow and rigid. And, and the other one's like, yeah, let's just hit some happiness and take a yeah. shot, shot. And it occurs to me it's like the difference between preparing to be a happy person mm -hmm. versus actively trying to be happy at all times. Mm -hmm. And they're mm -hmm. so different. And I feel like one of the things you really hit on there that I find so interesting and validating in a lot of ways is how important self-awareness is in this part of it. Because so many people, I think, to your point of like the the happily ever after story, right? You know, in my dad's era, it was like, you get married, you have kids, you retire with a gold watch yeah. and like, that's yeah. what you, right? 
And that was the story that's supposed to make you happy, but it's not until you actually sit down and understand what makes you happy. And then Mm -hmm. you even took it to the next level of like the happiness rituals. That's that question that I asked you at the beginning, what makes you happy? That's your answers, right? When you ask me, that's going to be my answers. And until you know what things make you happy, you don't know where to go to get that dose. You don't know what rituals you're going to need to get you in that zone for it. And that starts with the self-awareness. So if you've been spending your whole time not critically thinking about what it is that makes you you and what makes you happy and sad, you're going to have a tough time. So I I just love that you led to this point where self-awareness is such a critical point of it and such a good way to, to set yourself up to be a happy person. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And that's ongoing work too. So just to be clear, like you got to have a taste for uncertainty and acceptance. Like that's the cycle Just have to work it because you're going to get, we get to those big milestones and then we get to smaller milestones within it where you're going to those, you know, I was at a crossroads. Do I want this or do I want that? And and most of us, I think rip ourselves off because we choose, Oh, that's the right choice. Like you said, it's keep your head down, get a good job, do a good work, get promoted. And and you, yeah. Here, ta-da, happily ever after. Um, But that evolves. I mean, so think about this. I know we were talking before we hit record about the freshy baby in your life right now. There was a time though, where I'm sure you didn't want kids. You didn't think you wanted kids. Like at 13 years old, maybe you're like, yeah, I'm going to be a dad and I'm going to have this family, but then you get sort of 21, 22. You're like, oh, I don't really know. This feels kind of soon. Is that now? (laughs) Yeah, you know, and so it's this, we think we do, we think we don't, we think we do, we think, and to allow ourselves to be in process with that and not rush through those choices, those decisions to come home to, like I said, to really check in. Yeah. And it's funny because even now (laughs) there are times where it's not a super happy experience. They're not going to sleep. They're they're crying. They're hungry. There's things. Right. And uh, then there's other times where you like, you know, you look at your kids and you're like, wow, yeah, literally never made a better decision in my life than to have brought you into this world. So yeah, it is, it is truly a a process and it's truly something you're going to have. Even the self-awareness piece, like I just mentioned, Mm -hmm. like, it's not like you sit down one day and you're like, well, I've learned everything I need to know about myself. Cause to your point, we're always changing. We're always evolving. We're learning things. We're growing. We have things that we look back on ourselves and like, man, I was kind of a jerk back then. And we just grow and we learn from it. So the more we continue to commit to that learning of ourselves, the more we can, again, set ourselves up to be in that place of like learning happiness. So yeah. what we're getting towards the end of our time, and I want to I want to make sure we have time to hit on a, a couple other real quick things. Um, mm-hmm. One, I want to understand what is the, uh, the sort of clear takeaway that you would give people for this episode. So if they've listened to this whole episode, we've covered a lot as it relates to the world of happiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've covered a lot in terms of what some people mm-hmm. may struggle with in, in their pursuit mm-hmm. of happiness. We've mm-hmm. covered, you know, the the narratives, the toxic positivity, the all of the different pieces of it. But if there's one thing you want people to walk away from the episode with. What's that one thing for them? I'm going to give two. (laughs) They're both very quick. Okay. So, okay. Uh, What I would say is please don't, don't underestimate the role of rest and that making space for happiness and love and creativity to fill you is the starting point for going out into the world to find an external version of happiness. So make that space because happiness is, it's already it's already within you and you can replenish it. It's a well source of energy. So switch the focus from outward pursuit of happiness to inward, inward pursuit. And here's the second thing where to start 
because I don't want people to think, oh my God, I got to clear my calendar for three days to go sit in a dark room and think my, if you could have thought your way out of this, you would have done it before. So start at the level of desire and just start to notice throughout your day. What do you desire? What do you want? What do you, what's pulls you on? I want to, I think I want that Danish. <laughs> you don't have to have it, but like, just notice, just start to notice what, where you feel drawn to because everything good starts at the level of desire. Love it. Love it. Yeah, All right. You. So last place I want to go with this is, um, mm -hmm. last few things I want to hit on some things I call the shareables. These are just a couple mm -hmm. quick recommendations, people to walk mm -hmm. away with, uh, things mm -hmm. that they can take that you recommend. Uh, so think of this as sort of like something you would share on social media, but they're very specific questions. Okay. So first one is what's something that you've read that you would recommend other people read? I mean, I've got no less than 15 books on the go right now. <laughs> um, so I have sent clients, uh, your book, the lovable leader, obviously, the Good Fight by Leanne Davey. Love that um, I am currently reading, oh, Permission to Glow by Chris Carter and uh, The Souls of Queer Folk by Joel Davis Brown is amazing. Um, I am also reading Eternal Echoes by John Donahue, The Ugly Cry by Dan Danielle Henderson. I'm a good, big fan of a memoir. Um, and uh, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, Erotic Stories for Punjabi Widows by Ballycore Jaswal. And Prince, the beautiful one, is autobiography. God, you have so many. Damn. We have to like. It's not even to, all. It's not even I, all. My, I have a whole database in Notion. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm a, a voracious reader. Uh, so yeah. I am always, I always love when I find others who are the same. I um, ran into a problem the other day where I was like, oh my gosh, I think I'm, I ran out of bookmarks. <gasps> right, like what? bookmark bookmarks like yeah 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 because i have so many books on the go that all yeah. my bookmarks are in use i've never hit that wall before so i uh i i do a lot of audible and kindle and paperback uh yeah yeah, yeah, cover, yeah so yeah, like yeah, i'm yeah. just i'm spread out across all of the mediums um yeah yeah all right what's something you've listened to that you would recommend this could be something musical could be a podcast could be an audiobook it could be anything but it has to be something you can listen to yep uh leela gurukul is my favorite podcast. I Jones for the new episode every other week. Uh, so I love, love, love that. I also listen to a lot of the moth, which is a lot of people just telling stories. Um, and I found a great playlist on Spotify. It's called unwrapped and it is like grocery store versions of all your favorite nineties rap songs. Yeah. Like what? lounge. It is the best. The best. That's what I'm. I'm on Apple I'm Music, but I have a Spotify account. I may just fire back up my just Spotify go. account just to find that because '90s hip hop is um <laughs> is very close to my heart. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah but yeah. something you've watched recently that you'd recommend? Uh, I loved Stutz, the Jonah Hill documentary on Netflix, where he interviews his um psychiatrist, Phil Stutz. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I've watched it twice. I had to stop it to take notes. It's just the most heartwarming awesome. informative yeah i love 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 that and i watched uh jogi also on netflix and it is um it's a story about what happened in the 80s uh civil unrest in india after indira gandhi was assassinated mm -hmm. um there was huge civil unrest and there was a three-day period where a lot of stuff went down and this movie goes directly into those three days and what happened in the in the sikh community and the hindu communities 
Damn, we got to like, we get like a text thread going, you and me. Like yeah. you are like a cornucopia of things that would not go from my, like my algorithm would not touch some of the things you've brought up, but I'm super interested and fascinated <laughs> yeah. with a lot of these. Um, all right. What final shareable question is, uh, what is something interesting that you've learned recently that you'd mm-hmm. like to share? It could be anything. It could be a random fact. It could be uh, things about nature. It could be things about people. It could be things about, you know, a particular, any subject. It's up to you. Just something that's interesting that people may not have come across. Something interesting that I learned. Something interesting that I learned. <laughs> okay, this is crazy, but it's, it's relevant to me and hopefully some of your listeners. So I'm a roller skater. Cool. I, yeah, I take roller skating lessons every week. Uh, quad, I'd like proper quad old school roller skaters. So if there's any roller skaters listening, uh, something I learned is that um, <clears throat> while the light up wheels are very cool looking, if you really want to take it seriously and do all the turns and jumps, you got to give those up and go for the indoor wheels only. And it's, they're not as pretty to look at, but they get the job done. Fascinating. <laughs> That very is exactly random. what I was looking for, just so you know. So this, random. This, so this question is designed to be the like, it, this is really just my ADHD. Like I have these thoughts and then I go online and I Google something or Wikipedia. And I, I this is why I'm great at trivia night. People are like, why do you know that? I'm like, mm, Googled it one day. So that's right. the whole purpose of that question. Yeah. All right. Okay. So where can people uh, find you? Where can they go and connect with you? Learn more about what you're doing. Find you leading the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. My handle is at Kendra Reddy. So K-E-N-D-R-A-R-E-D-D-Y. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. My website is Kendra at Kendra Reddy. Email is Kendra at Kendra Reddy. Like just at Kendra Reddy. Cool. I'll put them in the show notes for you. Yeah. And then the final question, final, final, final. This is where I am going to shut my mic off after I ask you this question. And it is all you from this point forward. And is this, I like to close out my episodes with gratitude. I think it's nice. And actually this last segment, I've actually cried a few times, though I'm Mm -hmm. muted. Uh, It's a really nice part of the show for me. uh, And I hope for you too. But when I think of the term lovable leader, I always kind of get different images in my mind of people throughout my life that I think of that way. So mm-hmm. I'd like, if you could, for you to think of someone when I say lovable leader from your life, and this is a person who's exhibited care. You felt like you could trust them. They probably trusted you and they provided a sense of safety for you, whatever it might be to pursue whatever your heart desired or your biggest goals. So they provided care, trust, and safety for you. Now I'm going to mute myself and just fade into the background and give you the opportunity to say as much or as little or nothing at all to this person directly. This is you speaking directly to that person to say whatever it is you'd like to say in thanks and gratitude or whatever. It can be as simple like, Joe, you were great. Thank you. Or it could be as much as you'd like to say, but this is a spot for you to talk directly to a lovable leader from your life. Joel, your generosity, courage, thoughtfulness, and wisdom inspires my leadership in the world. I am so grateful that you are here on the front edge using your gifts and making an impact on the lives of others. Because of you, my heart is full. So tell me, what was most valuable or useful for you in this episode? Send me a message or hit me up on social media. 
I'm easy to find, but there's links in the show notes just to make it easy. Seriously, I'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, there's a couple things you could do, starting with subscribing to the show. And after that, head on over to Apple Podcasts and rate the show five stars and leave a review. Consider sharing this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. Or just buy me a latte or an old-fashioned by hitting up that tip jar. If you're looking for a good book to read, may I suggest The Lovable Leader, which covers how to build great teams with trust, respect, and kindness. It's built exclusively for brand new managers, and it's a handbook that will serve you well in your journey of leadership. Just search for Lovable Leader wherever books are sold online. And finally, if you're interested in working with me or checking out any of my other projects, go to jgibbard.com. That link, as well as every other link mentioned, will be found in the show notes. Stay safe, be kind, and seriously, share this episode with someone. I'll see you on the next episode of Shareable. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm.